So uh, today is the last day of this year, and uh, tomorrow is a new day, a new year. So <clears throat> what are you going to do different? You know, it's, it's a calendar. The message today is entitled uh, New Year's Objective. So I'd like to tell you what, what this message means to me and how, you know, I choose to respond. First, and I'm asking you to give consideration to that, and it is this. <clears throat> uh, God, I want to be a better follower. I, I want to be, I want to listen carefully to what your word says out of this message, and I want to respond in a positive way. I, I want to respond expeditiously. I want to respond and be that kind of follower. I want to respond um, and make you number one priority. In which when you speak, I want, to, I want to do that. And then I don't want to hold anything back. I want to be the kind of follower that is contagious. So that's important. If I ask the question, start at Matthew's Gospel, the fourth chapter, verse number 18. If I ask the question, what kind of follower do you think the church is today, church in general? Uh, based on 1 to 10, you think the church in general, 1 to 10, that every person that is a professing Christian, man, I'm at the top of my game. I mean, I follow and follow well. I, whatever he says, I do it and do it quickly. The bottom line is we have this enemy of ours that lives in us as well sometimes. It's self-will. It's supposed to be sanctified, and sanctification is something that we believe, okay, every single day you kind of get yourself, by the help of God, under control. Not my will, thy will be done. That's easily said. It's hard to practice. But yet I truly want to be the kind of follower that, I want to be the kind of follower that's obedient, that I don't question you. Uh, so how am I doing? How do you think the church is doing? Well, you can say, all right, I don't know about the church, but let me look in the mirror and let me say, well, what, what kind of follower am I? You know, do I, when God speaks to me, am I on it? And uh, am I, I freely, when he speaks to my heart and says, I want you to give that, and I give it, and I don't, I don't argue, I just do what I'm told to do. And I want to be the follower, and I want to be contagious. I want other people to look at me and say, wow, that person, every time you turn around, that person is engaged. They're absolutely following and if Jesus were to judge the church, and he does, and he judges us, I wonder what his opinion would be. So I want to give you a little illustration of how this kind of plays out in Scripture. And in Matthew, Jesus saw these individuals, uh, and there were four of them. And then one was uh, Simon Peter, Peter as we know him, Andrew, and James and John. So Jesus comes by, and there, of course, you know what they were, the professional fishermen. And Jesus is walking by. They hardly know him, maybe have maybe a little knowledge of him. And Jesus walks up to them, and this is what he says, follow me. Follow me. That's it. You've got to imagine if you follow this story, that had to be supernatural, how does virtually a total stranger walk up to a group of professional fishermen who live an edgy life, and all of a sudden, Jesus says, follow me, and they reacted? It had to be more than just a call to join Avon and ring the doorbell. 
had to be more than say sign up for this you're going to get 10 coupons in the mail etc 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 it was a supernatural call because these men who had no reference to who Jesus was or what he was doing they responded and so I say all right it had to be supernatural because when Jesus says follow me it had to be a supernatural encounter that caused these men to follow like they did. And that really happens when we give our life to Jesus. It's a supernatural encounter. He chose us. We didn't choose him. He gave us the invitation. And that conviction, which is the love of God initiated by the Holy Spirit to identify a need in my life, that say, hey, God, I'm in. I'm all in. Not when it's convenient, not when I want to, but I heard your voice. I'm going to follow, you know. You do not get to choose the depth of your commitment and expect God to be pleased with it. Here's the commitment that God is pleased with. Die. You die. Take up your cross and follow me. Nothing left on the table. That's God's desire. So here's point number one. Followers give up whatever Jesus asks. Say that with me. Followers give up whatever Jesus asks. Here's Matthew 4, verse number 20. At once, say that, at once. How many of you know how, how fast that is? Now, at once, they left their nets and followed him. No way in the natural that should have taken place. But at once, not waiting, not calling committee, not praying about it, doing nothing. At once, when he said, follow me, it suggests that they were immersed in a supernatural setting that was prophesied hundreds and hundreds of years before, and they responded out of a heart of being led by the power and the Spirit of God. Now, what's wrong with that? Because our culture today is probably like their culture was, or vice versa. We follow, in fact, if it brings us benefit. Oh, you want me to do that? Okay, what am I going to get out of it? What's in it for me? I'm willing to lay this down over here. I'm willing to move. I read a post yesterday from a gal that I counseled with a number of years, and wonderful gal, beautiful Christian young woman. She actually worked at Victory Christian Academy, and in her post, she said this time last year, she said, I was asked to pick up change my job, move to where my boyfriend was, and I picked everything up. I'm not suggesting you do this. Picked everything up, changed jobs, and moved to the community where he was at, and today he is my husband. And if you see her, she's cute as a button. He's a handsome young man, loved Jesus with all of her heart, but said, hey, and how many times did I talk to her as I talked to several ladies? You think God's ever going to send me somebody? Yes. But some of you ladies are so important to Jesus, he chooses not to just send any skunk your way. Y'all with me? Can I get a man off the front row? I'm telling you, a guy who only knows how to handle a half-carat diamond doesn't know how to handle a five-carat diamond. Y'all with me? They don't. Don't sell yourself short. Don't give up. Just pray and believe. 
That's a sideline over there. But what is in it for me? You see, the reality is in this setting here, you see, the very beginning, Jesus offers nothing but unconditional love. I will love you. I don't care if you're a stinker. I don't care if you're a bad boy. I don't care if you, I don't, I love you, period. You get my unconditional love. I don't have to give you my approval, but I'm in love with you and you are there because I, I created you. A total stranger walks by, says to these men, follow me. Okay. Well, what does that, what does that mean? Follow me at once. They left their nets. They had to let something go. You suppose they'd rather be fishing? Well, we never just up and went. They said, well, let's have a prayer meeting. Let's have a committee meeting. How much are we going to make? What's in it for us? You know, how long are we going to be gone? Give us a timeline. Give us a vision plan. Give us all of that. Those are all questions. Somebody walked by where you work and said, leave the job today. Get your bags and let's go. You'd say, whoa, whoa. You see, God works in unique ways and tells us those kind of things and makes those kind of calls to us often in our life. Should they stay where they're at or should they go? We know that the willingness to allow the power of God to speak to our hearts is important. And this is what he says, I want you to set a priority that only I, God, I have control of. What are you willing to give up to say, I know I'm in the vein? What are you willing to do if God speaks to you expeditiously at once? How do you respond? Well, God, I don't know about that. I don't know if I can manage that. Here's what he says. He said, I want you to deny yourself. I want you to die. And I want you to do whatever it is I ask you to do. So in 2018... My objective is, God, I want to be available, and when you speak at once, I want to be obedient. I want to do that. I don't want to, I don't want to get into the place and say, God, I question you all the time. I don't want to get in a place where everything has to be settled and solid, because if you're living the kind of life God has called us to live, and he did not call us to live a comfortable life. He called us to live a spirit-anointed life that may take you to the valley of the shadow of death, but it will also take you to the highest heights of spiritual dimension that you have ever known. You have to be willing to do that. Gail Williams, Gail Williams died October 20th of 2008. She was an aid worker for an organization called Serve in Afghanistan. It was the joint forces with the British and the South African people, and they were there for one reason. Serve was a Christian organization, and Gail said, I'm ready to give my life and do what God calls me to do. She looks like an ordinary woman, doesn't she? She looks like a lady that, what kind of future did she have? What was her family? But God called her. And when God called her, God called her into Afghanistan. What was her mission in ministry? To work for the major leaders of that country? Her job was she worked with those that were mentally challenged. She worked with those that are crippled, those that were blind. Those kids that had, in fact, had their limbs blown off because of a landmine. She was called to that. And when she was called to that, to engage and serve, she said, I'm here. My life's on the line. I'll serve here. So one day, while she's serving, 
a little motorcycle drove by and they shot and killed her. Killed her. The Taliban took credit for that. And this is what they said about that. We killed her because she's working for an organization which was preaching Christianity in Afghanistan. That's why she died. Helping people, their people. But she was preaching Christianity by doing good works. She was fascinated by the job and the work that she had. She knew it was risky. She knew that in 2008, 4,000 people, mostly civilians, had been killed. But yet, she said, when I was called to do this, I knew the dangers that were there. Serve recalled their staff and said, we need you to go to Kandahar, from Kandahar to Kabul. She said, I'm not going. I belong here. And she said, my body, if I die, I want it to be buried in the Christian cemetery here in Kabul. She attended the funeral of one of her friends a few weeks before. And she said, this body that I have is only temporary. When I go to heaven, I'll have a new body. But when I stand before him, I will know I was obedient to the call. You say, that doesn't make any sense at all. Jesus dying on the cross doesn't make any sense. A disciple not giving up who hung upside doesn't make any sense. Individuals that were beheaded, he, that's known in Hebrews 11, does not make any sense. May I ask you a question? In this new year that's coming, how deep is your commitment to say, hey, God doing your will, your work, being obedient to you is the most important thing. That's my life. Well, pastor, what do you want me to do? Stand out in the middle of I-4 and say, God, you call me out here? No, he would not do that. Check with me before you do that. I'll tell you that. <laughs> but what does the enemy do? The enemy will do everything that he can to get you to discount what it means to walk supernaturally in God. It may not be that you lose a loved one just like that. Could be the devil. How many of you know the devil, devil is an aggravator? May I see your hand? How many of you know somebody that likes to aggravate? It is a gift. <laughs> the last several weeks, Sharon and I, I'm telling you this because it was interesting. She said to me yesterday, we're under attack. I said, where? <laughs> she began to recite all the things that's gone on. She said, you were sick last week and week before. I said, but I kept going. I'd ever read a battery. <laughs> then she was sick. I had her in the emergency room like last Sunday morning, 3.30 in the morning. I had her there again yesterday. Then we had a hot water pipe in the kitchen floor that broke. I told you about that. The pipe crimped. Hot water was running out everywhere. I mean, it's a wonderful feeling, though, if you like foot massage, you could step on this towel, and it's warm, and over here, it's warm, and you could trace it and say, oh, that feels good, you know, but you got to fix it, so we fixed it, got that fixed. Then Christmas comes along. We have a refrigerator that is a KitchenAid. It's like a small apartment. It's got five doors. Open it up. It's like that. has drawers here, drawer down here, one, two, three, four, five. And it's up, but it, 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 it didn't, it was not cooling. 
And I figured it was because, you know, we had 17 people over Christmas Day. Sharon wasn't feeling well. They opened the door, like opened both doors. I thought, well, no wonder it's not cool. If you stand there 10 minutes with the doors wide open, that's why the condensation's up there dripping down. It's not working. No wonder the milk clabbered up. Hello? You, how many understand what I'm talking about? I mean, God, I've been good, you know. I get one day off at Christmas or two days off, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Things not working. Call a repair guy. Hey, I need you out here now. Yes, sir. Be out tomorrow. <laughs> he walked in, bought a little gun like they use in the speed radar deal. Opened the door up. Bing, 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 bing. You're right, it's not cooling. I said, well, thank you so much. He said, good luck. So I don't believe in luck. I can't do anything for you. I thought you were a repairman. Yep, but you just had it a year. Just a few days after the warranty. Y'all with me? Just after the warranty. He said, well, God, I'm following here. I'm committed. But I'm sick, Sharon's sick. The towel's warm. <laughs> Fridge is stopped. I want to know what's going on. Sharon says we're under attack. I'll get me another repair guy. I called him out. When are you going to be here? Tomorrow. I said, no, today. He came out. He just walked up to it, opened it up, looked at it, and said, I can't help you. Sharon said, aren't you a certified KitchenAid guy? I said, he's certified. I didn't say that, but <laughs> aren't you certified? He said, yeah, but I can't help you. Now, there's something squirrely going on when the guy who's supposed to be able to fix it doesn't fix it. Y'all with me? So I got it from Best Buy. I called Best Buy. I got put on hold for 19 minutes. 19 minutes. 19 minutes. I'm on hold. Sharon said, what are you doing? I said, I'm holding on. 19 minutes. Then all of a sudden, it went, I said, they sent it to the fax machine. I said, bless God. I'm going down there. Sharon said, you going like that? I said, nobody going to know I'm a preacher. I'm going down there. I got on my whatever shoes I had on. I had on my shorts. I had on some kind of a shirt. I don't know. I was just in a zone. I went straight back to the appliance. I said, you guys don't answer your phone down here. Greetings. How y'all doing? Y'all have a good Christmas? <laughs> I said, what can we do for you? You got a refrigerator on the blanks like that one right there. I've had two people come out. Have you called the geek squad? I said, there goes one of them right there. The geek squad. Yeah, here's an 800 number to call the geek squad. Why don't you call the geek squad? I'm standing in the store. You call. No, here's a 100. I call the geek squad. I waited. Hello, this is Agent Mike. I said, Agent Mike? I didn't call the FBI. <laughs> Agent Mike? I said, well, Mike. He said, Agent Mike. I thought, hey, Dave, I've, I've, something's wrong. 
there's something wrong. I, I thought, I'm having a relapse of memory here. Something's going on. I said, well, agent? He said, Mike. <laughs> I said, I thought all your geek guys were techs. Oh, no. We have a refrigeration geek squad. I said, where, where are you at? You local here? No, he said, I'm in Boston. It's 15 below zero up here. I said, all right, well, just haul my refrigerator up there, you know. It's like, it's, it's, you're, you're in Boston. I need a refrigerator fix at 2209 Malachite Drive, Lakeland, Florida, 73 degrees today. The inside of the refrigerator will only reach a low of 50. Milk clabbers at 40 or doesn't clabber at 40. I'm, I'm in, oh, unbelievable. He said, well, we can have somebody out there Tuesday. <laughs> now, listen, when you follow, now I'm beginning to get what's going on here. Anybody raise that kind of an antenna? Well, what's, what's going on here? Who is it that I need to witness to? Who is it that I need to touch? You know? Because when you follow, God gets squirrely on you sometimes. Y'all know what I'm talking about? You don't understand it? How in the world did that happen? What's going on over here? That breaks, this breaks. Sharon said, we're being attacked. I said, hallelujah, Jesus. I prayed a prayer. I'm talking about praying a prayer. I thought, then after I prayed that kind of a prayer, I felt the Holy Spirit spoke and said, that's the kind of prayer you need to pray all the time. And what do I do? I've thrown away prime rib, thrown away bologna, thrown eggs, milk, thrown it all away, clear it all out, clean the apartment out. She said, what are you going to do now? I said, I'm going to buy another refrigerator. I'm going to buy a backup. Amen? You go to Best Buy. Gave him the cash money. Here's my backup refrigerator. 20 cubic foot. Freezer in the top. Refrigerator in the below. Think of cool. Go outside. We'll have it out there in 20 minutes. I went and waited. Wait, it's getting dark. Guy came up, uh, I'm sorry, but I, I thought we had two on inventory. But we, we don't have any. I said. <laughs> you know, it's like, I've been up here. I got Tim waiting in the truck. He circled Best Buy and. All the other places over there about 20 times. Dad, what are you doing? Ah, it's coming, it's coming. I said, I want my money back. He said, we'll give you a credit. I said, oh, no. <laughs> I said, I gave you four $100 bills. I gave you $50 bills. They're over there in that drawer where you came from. I says, now we're going over and we're going to get my money. 
Amen. How many know what I'm talking about? Y'all with me? It's like, what's going on? Help me, Jesus. So he said, well, I don't know if I can do that. That's when you stiffen up and the spiritual spithorinctum of who you are says, I'm about to cast the devil out of somebody. Y'all know what I'm talking about? How many of y'all had a great Christmas? Mine's wonderful. Well, maybe we can. I thought, no, I know how to go around the counter. And then somebody walks up in the middle of all that. Hey, Pastor Blackburn. <laughs> God bless you, you little Episcopalian. So good to. <laughs> no, all of that, what happens? Following sometimes gets squirrely. But you have to be willing to lay you down. Give something up to say, God, what kind of Christmas would it have been boring if I didn't have all these wonderful stories to be able to tell? You know what they did? At once, they left their nets. Here's the second thing that I think is extremely important in this following that we enjoy today, new perspective of 2014. We completely depend on Jesus. I mean, completely. What does that mean? It's like a little baby. That little baby is dependent on mom and dad to feed, to change, to keep warm, to protect, to guide. And it says, and immediately they left their boat. They not only left their nets, and they did it at once. They left their boat. It's like that boat, is a pri- that boat was the vehicle that caused them to make an income. Now, here's what happens in this process. Okay, I'm ready to go. I'm going to be obedient. I'm going to do it, but, I'm, but leave my boat. That's my income. Well, why don't we consider another way? And we're good at that. We're good at bargaining with God. Y'all notice that? We're good at bargaining with God. Well, God, if I give this up, if I give this up, are you willing to make this work? Your relationship with Jesus is not a marriage. God doesn't bargain. Nothing more than a compromise, but we get to want to do it our way. Here's how simple that is. A lady, she's new. She went to the textile mill and went to work. Now, there's a sign that in her training that she read, and they said, pay attention to that. It says, if your thread becomes tangled, call a foreman. She wasn't into the job two hours before her thread is all tangled up. And she says, okay, uh, I'm new here, so I'll, I'll just straighten this out myself. And the more she tried to straighten it out herself, the worse it got. Finally, she thought, I got to go to the foreman. She went to the foreman. She said, hey, I did the best that I could. And he said, no, you didn't. I did. I did the best that I could. No, you didn't. The best you you could have done was to do what you were supposed to do and come and get me. You see, in this thing of following we, we want the vanilla. We want, God, I, I'm, I'm willing to go this far. I'm willing to sell out. I'm willing to go on this squirrely ride so far here. 
I'm willing to go to the valley and maybe the mountaintop, but God, if it gets too much, I'm going I'm to try it out myself. And God said, don't do that. Because every time, if God's given you a directive and a call, and you try to figure it all out on your own, I promise you, you will regret it if you live to regret it. It's just do it God's way. Amen? Do it absolutely God's way. And that's what God expects of us. They left their boat, and it's important because, you see, in leaving that boat, it meant we're sacrificing the very thing that helps us bring income into our families. Now, there's a book that I read, Mike Slaughter, Real Followers. He said there are three types. Number one, he said the curious, the convinced, and the committed. He said the curious will do this. He said the curious, when you call them, the curious will show up, but they'll leave if you ask them to sacrifice too much. They just came to rubberneck, to be curious and check it out. I ain't doing that. It's way too much. He said the next group is the convinced. The convinced, of course, they're faithful. They're like a bunch of roadies to a rock concert. If Jesus asks them to do a menial task of sacrifice, it says they won't leave. They're committed. They won't leave. They won't do anything. They won't say anything. They won't respond to anything, but they won't leave. They'll just be there. Amen. Sooner or later, something's going to happen. But he said the committed, the committed are the real followers and the individual who says, Jesus said, follow me, take up your cross, deny yourself. They will sacrifice at any stake and do whatever it takes to get the job done for one word, well done, well done. Well done, well done, well done. That's the committed. 2018, I want to be ready when God says I'm ready. I mean, now. Now, some of you, how many of you have children that you love? <laughs> how many have grandkids? How many have ever witnessed this? You say to your kid or your grandchild, come here. How many of you have a child the minute that you say come here? Uh, they come. God bless you. You're a great parent. Here's what usually takes place. Come here. Did you hear me? I said, come here. Come on. Come on to Papa, Peepaw, whatever you call him. Come on to Daddy. Come on to Daddy. Did you hear what I said? And then you start moving. I said, come here. Now, a lot of kids do this. Type A's run. Not to you. But they run around. They run around. Hoping you'll forget if you're old, you ever said, come here. And then, and then you say, you come in here if it's the last thing i do on this earth you come in here y'all with me now why do, why don't they come the first time because we train them they don't have to you tell them a second time and a third time y'all with me everybody with me because see if you tell them that's you know why we start church on time 
How many know we start here on time? We start anything on time. Where do you think that comes from? Because <laughs> here's what I say. If you come and you're here on time, at least we ought to love you and say, you showed up. And I love all you laters, laters, who drift on in when you can. God bless. But I will not give you permission to ever say, we don't have to be there on time because they're not going to start anyway. They always take 15 minutes before they ever start. Hey, if you have a time to start, start. And let's rock and roll. Amen? Because let me tell you, He's coming back in the rapture right on time. Amen? The five foolish and the five wise. <laughs> so, so, so the kid, come here. Come here now. And if you're, it, it, and God in his message to us, he said, when I speak to you, I don't want to have to tell you twice because here's what I know. A split second makes a big difference in the supernatural economy of God. If you miss a moment that God speaks to you and says, pray for that person, and you don't, and that person goes out, as one case that we dealt with recently, commits suicide, you will look back and say, I wish I would have listened. You see, what we're doing in church in the supernatural realm is huge. It's not about my will, your will. It's not about dancing through the tulip. It's not about, it's not about, it's about God. I'm your soldier. I'm your I'm your friend. I'm your child. When you speak, I will answer. I will get rid of whatever it is I need to get rid of so I can respond beautifully. I want to be the kind of person you want me to be. And here's what God's Word. He says, you're like sheep. Let me tell you about sheep. Sheep. Sheep cannot clean themselves. If you look at the swans out here, swans out there, they clean themselves. I mean, they put feathers everywhere. They Clean, clean up. You take cats. Cats have the ability to clean themselves. Dogs clean themselves. But sheep cannot do that. And that's why he said you're like sheep. You can't get clean unless the supernatural power of God comes in and cleans your life up. You can do it all you want to. Here's the second thing about sheep. Sheep cannot defend themselves from predators. They don't have a mechanism like some animals do and some a defense mechanism. A skunk has a defense mechanism. A rattlesnake has a defense mechanism. How many know that? Sure, but you don't. Sheep, they do not. That's why, that's why he says, you're like sheep. That's why you need the protection of Almighty God covering you with his blood, his anointing, and his power so that Satan would love to sift you like wheat, Peter, but he cannot do it because you are under my power of protection in the palm of my hand. Sheep cannot find food and water for themselves. It takes the shepherd to lead them. Psalms 23, it takes the shepherd to lead them where the food and the water is. And finally, sheep are not, the word is intelligent or knowledgeable. 
And that's where you say, well, are you saying that I'm, I'm like a sheep and I'm not intelligent? Listen to what I'm saying. You're intelligent in the realm in which you survive. That's the here and now. That's the natural. But in the supernatural realm, where the battles are fought, where the Spirit resides, where the anointing flows, you and I have no idea what might happen this afternoon or tomorrow, but in the supernatural power of God giving you the anointing of wisdom and discernment, God said there's some things that you don't know that I know. Listen to me carefully. I'm about to give them to you. In the supernatural because he knows it all. We need to know. God, I don't want to be lost and wandering around out here on my own trying to figure things out. I want to be able to pray and hear your voice. The late Supreme Court Justice Oliver Holmes many, many years ago was on a train. The conductor came through to collect the tickets. He knew the judge. Holmes is looking, trying to find his ticket. The conductor said, sir, don't worry about it. You're here all the time. Next time you come through, just give me the ticket. We're all okay. And Holmes said to the conductor, that's not my problem, sir. He said, my problem is I need my ticket to tell me where I'm going. I'm on the train and I don't know where to get off. I got a ticket. Holy Spirit, speak to me. Holy Spirit, warn me. Holy Spirit, by your power. Give me wisdom. Holy Spirit, no, I won't do that. Holy Spirit, guide me. When you are listening to him and you're following him, he will never leave you without direction. Finally, followers go wherever Jesus leads. Where he leads me, I will follow. Where he leads me, I will follow. Where he leads me, I will follow. Follow. Oh, you believe that? You think that's true of most of us? <laughs> yeah, so let me look at the record. How you been doing? Hmm. Oh, I told you to witness to that guy at Walmart. You let that slip by? <laughs> hmm. Yeah. I told you to fast last week. You, what happened? Yeah, you know, last week. See, the point is this. We're all guilty. But here's what he does. If you pay attention and you're willing to say, God, you're number one, not me. If you say, God, I'm willing to give whatever it is I need to give up you. And God, wherever, whatever, whenever. Lisa Bearfield. You may not know her. Coach Bearfield, Southeastern University, coach of the football team. Lisa's brother had kidney failure, has had kidney failure for some time, no quality of life, on the dialysis machine. 
He said, you might check. The doctor said some of your relatives to see if they qualify. Lisa said, siblings went to San Antonio. I qualified. Almost a perfect match. She said, I went through all the testing to be sure that I did. But then I had to make the decision. Am I going to do this? What if my kidney breaks down? What if that runs in the family? What kind of life would I have? She said to me after church, Sunday was about five weeks ago, Pastor, I made a decision today. What was that, Lisa? She told me that process. She said, I didn't pull the trigger. But she said, while you were preaching, not while you were sleeping, while you were preaching, I felt the Holy Spirit speak to me and say, get on a plane and go give your kidney to your brother. Clear as day. She hugged me and said, thank you. We're booking a flight. So two weeks ago, they booked the flight to San Antonio. And about 10 days ago, she gave her kidney to her brother. And Lisa was back in service this morning. In the first service, she said, I'm grateful. I follow the Holy Spirit. Now listen carefully. God wants to use you. But we're going to have to do a little bit better. God desires to flow through us. You want to see miracles? Then start taking your cross. Start being obedient. Start moving at a moment's notice and say, God, I don't have anything left. It's you all the way. If it's Africa, if it's Afghanistan, if it's Cuba, or if it's just giving an emissions offering or sharing with someone, taking up a, a student, say, come into our home and they'll have whatever it is, God. That's what I want. And when... Your hot water pipe breaks, and when your refrigerator breaks down, and when you get sick, and a plethora of other things happen, you can say, hey, only thing I've been doing, following, and this ain't nothing but the devil trying to shake me loose. Amen? But is your refrigerator fixed? No. Agent has not gotten there yet. Simple message, isn't it? I thought it was. Won't you stand? Father, in Jesus' name, we praise you. I don't know what tomorrow may hold. I don't think any of us do. But we know who holds tomorrow. So, Lord, if there's a person in this room that's considering breaking up with their marriage, speak to them right now. The person here dabbling in things they have no business dabbling in, speak right now to them. Convict them. If a person is living a fake life, why did sepulcher? Deal with them right now. If there's a person that has not been as aggressive in their walk with you, it's passive, 
They're certainly more aggressive in so many other areas of their life other than their spirit man. Convict them. And then, Lord, whatever it takes to bring them into alignment, create that kind of environment that gets their attention. We need to be 100% in 2018 because we have far too many challenges that cannot be resolved except the church understands its role to follow. Oh, in the name of Jesus, what an exciting life. What a privilege it is to know that whatever we do, whether it's comfortable or not, we're in the will of God. Hallelujah. How blessed is that? So you might be here and you're not right with God. You're crossways. Or you might be passive about your relationship. You haven't been listening as well as you need to listen. Or maybe you allowed something uh, that I talked about, something that's really got into your skin and, and you're holding that as to why you're not pressing the pedal to the metal. Well, just let it go. Let it go. So just in case, I'm going to ask everybody to repeat this prayer, shall we? Dear Jesus, Jesus, forgive me. me. I have sinned. I have have failed. And I've not done right. right. But today, today, I am listening. I I desire to follow. follow. Forgive me of my sin. I I believe by faith faith that you love me me. and that Jesus, Jesus, I have nothing to offer except my heart. So here it is. I honor you today. I will by grace change under your anointing. I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God is so good. These disciples became premier disciples. They left their net. They left their boat. They gave up everything. They didn't go back and try to take it again. They followed through, and every last one of them paid the price of death. Friend, don't depend on your government. Don't depend on the Donald. Don't depend on anybody. The economy, don't you dare. You pray. Because one of you, just one of you, under the anointing of the Holy Spirit, being obedient, can change more lives by being obedient than anybody or any institution at all. Just you. Just you. So if you need prayer, you say, I'm going to make that kind of commitment. Or you've got a family member that's lost. That's lost. It's lost. Christmas was beautiful in one family. Last week we talked to you about the plane crash. Happened on Sunday. Tuesday. Wonderful family had great Christmas on Monday. Then one of the members of the family committed suicide on Tuesday. Everything seemed beautiful Monday. But something was going on. And nobody was able to discern it. You never know. Pay attention. Be a follower. 
So if you need prayer, we're going to sing this song. You come right now and I'll give the benediction in just a moment. Here we go.